Welcome to today's episode of CLCI Live, brought to you by the award-winning and ICF-accredited school, Certified Life Coach Institute. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another week of CLCI Live. Uh, before we begin this exciting, exciting, very exciting topic, I think we should first and foremost uh, invite everybody to please join in on the conversation. Uh, while we are talking, please let us know what your thoughts are. If you have questions, comments, anything of that nature, we want to hear from you. Please, please. Um, so join in the combo. And from there, I will let somebody else introduce what it is we're talking about today. We're talking about Mike's birthday. That's Woo! coming. Woo! Yes, Mike's birthday. Happy birthday. It's Mike James's birthday here. Happy birthday, Thank Mike. you. This is my birthday gift. Being able to be on live because I'm usually not available. So oh, this that's is right. this is my gift. This is birthday week. Right. It's like awesome. And Jen, thank you, thank you. The banner just makes it complete. <laughs> Happy birthday, Mike! Thank you Yay. for being here on mic with us today. <laughs> Mike on the mic. I love it. How old are you turning? How old are you? Uh, I'll be 38 on Thursday. 38 on Thursday. 84, baby. Year of the MJs. Michael Jordan, so he, Michael Jackson. You're an elder yeah. millennial like me and Brooke. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is it? <laughs> Zennial? Is that our title? Right? The Zennials? <laughs> I, I guess we're what we're called. Yeah. Exennials. Yeah. Elder millennials. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We are the cuspers of the millennial gen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um. And yeah, I was born the year ET came out, so that's my claim to fame. Oh, right interesting! There. Nice. <laughs> Me and Jerome are the cool, you know, millennial zoomers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Baby boomers are yeah. always way cooler than any y'all put together. Just saying. Generation wars. Beloved, beloved generation by all the younger generation. I'm just saying. I've never heard a baby boomer say "bussin" before, and you know that's a pretty. That's yeah. a pretty. Oh, that's we, pretty got, we got we got Lisa to say Gucci. <laughs> <laughs> I had to learn what it meant so first, weird. though. <laughs> and I've forgotten now. Oh, my goodness. Now I have to go back and look at it. We, we could have gotten her to say um, YOLO and FOMO last yeah, week. Last week, we could have gotten her to say YOLO and FOMO, for sure. Yeah, I do <laughs> okay. Hi, Sue, by the way. Hi, Natasha. Hello, hello, hello. Good morning. What are we actually talking about what are today? We actually talk Happy birthday, Mike, by the way. And what Happy are we actually birthday, talking Mike. about? Thank you, Natasha. <laughs> I asked the question. Anybody say, we are going to talk, talk about what a dark empath is. So what, what? I think, what? What? <laughs> I think though, this is, this is kind of, we say what, because I think that empathy has always been associated with the lighter traits the the good doers of the world but the truth is there is this whole other side to empathy and it is called dark empathy and it's uh that is what we'll be discussing today what that is what it looks like how it comes up 
Uh, and also, we'll also talk about it even in a coaching space as well. So who wants to share a little bit about what this scary, scary thing, dark empathy, is? No, Anthony. We should, right? Well, let's try to break it down first. Okay. Uh, empathy. Let's just separate the words first. Empathy. We all kind of know what that is. It's when it's like a, a way to say that you're emotionally intelligent. You could recognize other people's emotions and see their point of view um, and take that into consideration. Um, I guess unempathetic people, you know, don't really give a crap about other people's feelings or emotions in social situations. Um, yeah. Or if they do recognize it, they disregard it. And I'm not going to, we're not going to go and say like, yeah, they, it may, there is empathy can show up in so many ways. And, uh, because a person is not empathetic does not make them immediately bad. That does not what we're saying. It's not at all. What we are saying is that empathy is the ability to understand, relate to, interpret, um, sense, feel, what have you, uh, the emotions of others, uh, exterior emotion, um, which we typically ascribe, especially in a coaching space, to a very good quality, right? We, how do we use empathy in a good way as coaches? Yeah, so empathy, I mean, you know, empathy in a good way, right, is just um, being where a client is, what what they present, what the emotion, the feeling, where they are, the status, what what's missing, what's there. And so that empathy in the coaching space is, you know, I hear you, I see you, um, I recognize what that is that you're bringing up. Um, and so that's the good part of it, right? Not getting to the dark side of empathy, but that's the good part of how we use it in the coaching space. Um, Natasha asked a question. Uh, do you believe that empaths are born with it, trained in it, or both? So this is sort of like a nature versus nurture question. Is this something that we are innately, we innately do, or is it something that's a learned skill? I'm going to hazard a guess and say both. Yeah, I would say both too. I think we can Definitely. be trained out of it instead mm -hmm. of into it. Um, mm -hmm. There's that. I think that we can shut it off, shut it on. We can, mm -hmm. we can absolutely learn to, to ignore it. Uh, we can also, I will say though, there is a, there is a, a group of folks that are highly sensitive people. I don't know if you guys have heard of HSP, um, but highly sensitive people are folks that are very, very in tune to the emotions of others. Uh, sometimes to a point that can be very overwhelming. Um, and, but they are, that's, it's a, it's also a superpower. They can tune in and um, and I think a lot of time those folks are that a lot of that is it can be both. I think nature and nurture. I think that there are a lot of uh, things that happen to us when we're growing up that can influence whether or not we nurture the trait of empathy or we start to sort of suppress it. And so mm -hmm. I, think mm -hmm. yeah. I think that's really a good point. As we are growing up, if we're in families that don't honor that ability, Sometimes it's much later in life that we have the opportunity to get and find ourselves again. I know several people <laughs> who have that um, learning to readapt who they are in that space. So definitely good points. I think there's also spaces where, and this goes into sort of a, a coping space in a way where a client might feel like they can't be, be empathetic in certain situations. I think there's certain sociological 
constructs that that would inhibit folks from from being really empathetic especially in like a space like a business space like uh people tend to think oh i gotta shut off that emotion in those spaces that feeling and be kind of neutral um when i think it could actually be a tremendous um skill that can be used by managers and in order Mm -hmm. to tap in and understand what it is their their staff is feeling uh or even others uh Mm -hmm. Now, where it can get dark, I just took it, my brain just went manipulative, <laughs> um, is if you have somebody who's empathetic, and this will bring us into it, empathetic in that business space, but they're using that skill of being able to read others for their own gain. Ooh. <laughs> so dark, the dark isn't just like some adjective that's just slapped onto it. It, has, it refers to the dark triad of personality traits um off the top of my head it's narcissism machiavellianism and psychopathy um which might indicate to some people that it's not a legitimate sort of psychological thing since psych psychopathy is no longer in the dsm-5 as a real diagnosis but those three qualities tacked on with empathy creates dark empathy and it raised brooke pretty much summed it up it's using empathy to get what you want or to achieve some sort of ulterior motive i was reminded in doing our research when we were doing that research that you guys so kindly put up there and all those little tests i was thinking about some movies you know because i didn't exist back then but when they show like the mind readers being able to manipulate the information and get to me, I, I'm, I'm, they're picking up cues, they're picking up information, but they're not really using it for the greater good. Like we're, you know, talking in that dark empath. Um, so that would be another place where even mm-hmm. on the mind reading, the, what do you call that? What am I trying to say? The, uh, what, what do you call that arts? Um, I know it's called some like in like, I guess in the more theatrical sense, it's called mentalism. Yes. You're like, I'm reading your emotions in the room yeah. and I'm influencing your decisions. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like, you know, like a, how a magician would use it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some, I've seen this, I've done the research before. There's some people who will claim that are like adjacent to the life coaching like the the bad kind of life coaching non-icf life coaching with they're doing mentalism and group coaching that involves that kind of stuff and then just telling you what you should do and it's usually signing up for their program to spend more money on them so an example of dark empathy Mm -hmm. yeah and just it just makes me think of uh, like speaking of that dark empathy. I think it goes. It speaks towards motive, right? Like, what's the motive of your your approach, <laughs> your approach to things? And as has been said, right, is that if it's for that personal gain or for the show, here I am. Let me show you what I do. Let me show you what I could do next. That turns it from now in that space where it's the good empathy and coaching, right? Of where the client is to now, it's about me, and that's where it goes dark. That motive turns from you to me, me tell you, let me show you. I hear what you're saying, but have you thought about this thing? And now I give you the options of what to choose. So I think that's where it it really brings that home. What turns it dark is the motive behind it. 
it's mm -hmm. that it's the manipulation of it i think too really is a big part of it um so just to give you a definition dark empath a dark empath is someone who uses cognitive empathy at the expense of others often for personal gain they can recognize someone's situation um without sympathizing with them so basically they are able to tap in recognize the emotion because a lot of times what we we've thought of with with psychopathy or sociopathy is that they don't even recognize the emotion in others but in this case they are highly attuned to the situation and emotions in others and then rather than using it in a way that you know not even using it just acknowledging it being there what have you uh, we teach it as a skill test skill set which is using it to some degree um but taking that and and using it manipulating it twisting it to gain get their own personal gain essentially uh whatever that may be that the means to an end kind of thing i think one of the best ways i was ever described uh as to what sociopathy is or is that that uh basically they have an end goal in mind and uh everything in the way is either supply or it is uh, or it's getting at or it's something or a block and so they'll go to any means to get whatever their ends are and they, they disregard emotional you know uh damage people what have you because it's the end goal that is what really matters to them. you are a means to an end um that being said, in this case, there's still means to an end. But what's interesting is uh, now what we've got is this television. They can recognize your emotional emotions and use them against you, which makes it even scarier. <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> I like Mike's face. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, like you said, it could be scary because now what happens is the, the parties involved, um, it creates a wall without the person possibly even knowing it. Like, Okay, no, I know that when I come to this person, <laughs> and they use that. I'm going to shut down because I don't want to share now. I don't want to open up certain things because I know they're going to use against me. They're going to keep track of this thing. And, and now the next time, the next interaction is like, oh, yeah. So, what you mean is the three times you did it before, and it's like, oh my God, now I feel small. Where's that hole in the floor that I can crawl in and, and leave, exit the room? <laughs> so, like you said, Brooke, I, I agree with that. It, it, it becomes a scary thing when you're working with someone who manipulates and uses that, especially when they use it against you, because now I'm not going to tell you because you're going to use it against me. Um, uh, it's, it, it's, it's a little, it's very frightening. Um, I will say that, that uh, I think I have, <laughs> I, we knew somebody who was kind of a master in this space uh, and I think was drawn to a space of helping others because he knew that he could manipulate people in that space because he could read their emotions and use them against them and it was when i recognized that it was terrifying <laughs> um because now you have all these folks in a vulnerable open emotional space and they've opened themselves up and oh my god you have a person that's going to use that that this honed skill of being able to identify that and use it uh in a way that it could just be very destructive and very very self uh self-supporting and and selfish <laughs> um, so this this person to me is a lot scarier than than a narcissist i used to actually think that someone that i worked for was a narcissist and once we started exploring this topic, it was like a light bulb just went off. And I was like, oh no, she wasn't a narcissist. She was 
a dark empath. She would use things against me and intuitively, like I blocked her off all my social media because I could see that she would use personal things against people. And so I was like, I don't want her to know about my personal life, you know? And yeah, so this topic really made me realize this person was not a narcissist. They were a dark empath. It's crazy. Yeah. It's kind of scary to sit there and think about it. As as you were talking, Jen, I thought of two other people that have crossed my paths recently as well that potentially have that impact. It's kind of interesting. I guess it's a more frequent than I had attributed towards that concept. Anyway, yeah, so go ahead. When you're sharing and you say it's more, I think that, that what we, we want to say is we can stomp, stamp this big label on things or on people. But the truth is, we, as everybody witnessed, we took some tests today with the dark triad, the dark. We all possessed a little, nobody was a zero on any of those, right? Nobody we was a zero. At least of us, but nobody was a full zero, which tells you we're all capable a little bit, right? So it's what I think what happens is, is that, that that little voice in our head that goes, hey, this is wrong. We shouldn't be doing this goes off. Whereas other folks, that doesn't happen. And that's when it gets really scary. But there's three different kinds of empathy. Just so you know that listed, there's, uh, there is cognitive empathy. And that's the ability to understand someone's perspectives and thoughts without emotional involvement. So that is that I, I understand the emotions but I'm not emotionally involved, cognitive empathy. Emotional empathy is being able to feel someone else's, as emotions, feel the emotions that someone else is feeling as though you are going through the experience too. So that is you feeling the actual feelings of the other person and, and sort of taking them on and being able, capable of experience that, experiencing that emotion simultaneously with them. And the third is compassionate empathy. And that's a combination of the cognitive and the emotional where you understand another perspective and your emotions respond as though you were in the situation. So I think we get that. Like when your bestie is like, Oh, and gets just as offended as you, or you know what I mean? <laughs> you're telling a story. I think that's a great sort of example. This is compassionate empathy. It's both working. It's like, she's getting it on an emotional level. Get what you're going through. And now I feel it. Fine. And, um, I think that the thing is, though, what's weird in the coaching space, and we talk in the coaching space, we really are speaking about cognitive empathy. We want we want our coaches to remain in that cognitive empathy space and not go to those deeper emotional levels um, because we, we want to make it about the client because if we're experiencing it too, then it becomes our emotion too, and that's we don't want to be there. Um, what the dark empath I think does is lives in that cognitive empathy space. They don't ever experience the other two. So it's this weird line between life coaching where we're like, this is what we're going to do, but we're using it in a very good and, and, and deliberate way. Uh, whereas they're using it in a very self-serving and, and deliberate way. So, so um, an, an example was requested. An example would be something like, um, a lot of the times our coaches are getting advertised. As soon as you graduate from being a coach and you start sharing, you get all kinds of advertising and you'll get this advertising that says, I'm going to help you get six figures. I got the way I've got, don't do these things. I've got the six. So the six figures, really, they're telling you a lot of the same things that we even share on, on here as well as in class. So they're manipulating the information to serve their purpose so that they're getting six figures and 
you know, that same information is readily available. You don't have to pay them the 10 grand they're asking, etc. I will say how coaches use it. We, another way we use it is uh, yes. In our marketing, like one of the things we have to tap into, what is that person feeling? What are they going through? Get in their head, talk like them, use I statements. That is us getting you to full blown cognitive empathize with these folks so that then you can connect with them. Mm-hmm. But the difference being you're connecting with them with the intention of helping them, coaching them, bettering their lives. And yes, in the process, it is a business. You're going to be, but it's, that's what marketing is, right? The difference being we use it in a coaching space is when we can cognitively identify what our client is feeling and then ask questions around those emotions, right? Um, yeah. And that, and that broke, that was a perfect explanation of it too, because it could be one of those questions where, okay, well, when is it okay to use it all the time? It's just where and how you use it. Right. And like what you said, what you're marketing, when you're reaching out to that, that person who needs you, like I need Brooke and I'm looking for, that's when I'm showing that emotional and that combination there and like really feeling the feels I'm thinking, okay, if I were reading this, what would get my attention? that just speaks right to my heart. Like, okay, shut up, Brooke, and take my money. You're you're the one, you're my coach. Versus now, when we get into that space, it turns into, as you said, that cognitive uh, empathy, whereas now I, I recognize there and um, using that sincere validation and all the things that we talk about and we learn uh, in the course and even on the lives, it's finding that balance there and it's really someone dropped it. It's really about the client. And I think that's the difference where it stays about the person that we're helping, that we're working with, right. Um, that we're partnering with instead of overtaking it. And now when I overtake it and I use these things for those, as we said, those manipulative purposes, uh, purposes that changes it, right. That takes it to that dark empathy of what we want to avoid. And so I think it's, I think it's always a good time to use it. It's just where, where and how you use it and like which one you lean on. And in that coaching space, leaning heavily on that cognitive, that empathy, cognitive empathy, where I recognize this, you know, and I'm really taking the, taking the time to lean into what's going on. I want to find out more. I'm, I'm hearing this, I'm seeing this shift. So I want to know more about it. I think too, I mean, without the boundaries of sort of a moral compass and ethics or something along those lines, I could see Natasha sort of bringing up here leaders who go dark. That's where that those lines can start to get blurred, right? With that, with the absence of a clear definition of what your moral compass is, it could easily teeter to a side of dark, right? Because it's it becomes a skill set. It does. It becomes something that you become very good at, at practicing. Um, I wonder if if you don't have a moral compass, is there even a distinction between light and dark? Are you even? Yeah, true. I don't know if that's even a question that you ask at that point. It's just what is. If you're a leader, it's either what is necessary or what benefits me as a leader. Um, what I imagine probably most, I've never been in a leadership position. Who knows? Um, but I imagine it's something like that. Um, if we're leaning towards like the dark empathy sort of areas. Um I would just to share too in this dark, dark empathy space. Again, there are going to be a lot of sort of overlap with with terms like that were mentioned before. Those, like Jen said, like those narcissistic tendencies, the Machiavellian tendencies, the um, uh, 
psychopathy or just sociopathy and those sort of antisocial behavior uh, realm, that world, you'll see a lot of these things come up. Not putting a giant label on all of this. This is always bad. This is always good. This is always... Uh, because I think, that, again, this is a skill that can be used, and we, just as coaches, we choose to use it in a good and beneficial way. And that's mostly because we are coming from a place of wanting to help people or wanting, you know, um, wanting to help others. And um, I think what happens, too, is the empathy in us gets in the way sometimes, and that's where people get like, I don't want to charge. Ah. <laughs> Hi, Haley. Hello, Haley. <laughs> um, so... Uh, in the space of dark empathy and this this uh what kind of how do you think dark empathy might show up uh in somebody else like you guys have experienced it lisa jen specific examples <laughs> <clears throat> let me think of it i can't do specific example right at the moment because it will tie into uh, an actual person um so let me think of a generic way to explain it and if jen you are ready to go with that I can give you a specific example that I'm still clearly stuff is coming up for me as I'm thinking about it. Um, so I don't have kids. I have a dog. My dog is my child. My dog is my world. And my current dog, um, before her, I had a dog for 14 years. He was my baby. And when he died, I was devastated. I needed like a week off work. I was not good. And someone said to me, knowing that this was my relationship with this dog and that was my baby, why do you need so much time? It's just a pet. And that word, it's just a pet, like cut through me. And it took a lot for me to process like, that was a deliberate attack from this person. This person, I had spent so much time with this person. They would ask me about my dog all the time. They knew my dog was my world. That oh, was yeah, that's, a dark art from this person. That <laughs> bitch. I want to punch her. <laughs> it, the thing too is that's, it, it, that was subtle though, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a subtlety. It's a, it is. It's an art. Like you said, it's an art. There's a subtlety. These aren't like knock you over the head. Right. They, if it was knock you over the head, they wouldn't get away with it. It's right. the subtle art of it that's terrifying. It's, it's the sneakiness. They're like spiders. <laughs> it's the gathering when you feel like you're in that safe space with someone as you're describing it, which kind of it, it describes the different situations that I can't go into too much detail at the moment. So that that's they're gathering all of this information and you feel safe and secure in this space. And then they slam you and are out to get you and using everything that they know to get you. And that's what they're wanting to do because they're justified in their reason. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mike. No, I was just going to say, Lisa, and to that point, and even what Jen said, it's, I think that's a lot of times where it shows up most that dark empathy, someone in your circle someone you're connected with that you have that relativity to that knows enough about you to know what buttons to push or knows how to be sneaky. Like Brooke was saying, that sneaky way to do that right thing that triggers you. It's like, that's right. 
and they know it and that's that closeness that that relationship may have been built for years or or you know this person well enough that they know exactly how to say that thing yeah it's going to take you to that place and sometimes they're family members right so how do we think about now we're working with clients how do we help our clients navigate that space which they can't get away from family members for the most part let's just say they can't I mean, obviously relationships can end and you can move away. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I said I can. I've definitely oh, cut out yeah. dark family members. Yeah. So that. So, <laughs> I mean, sometimes you can, absolutely. And there's other times that your belief systems don't go along with cutting that out, you know, whether you have religious beliefs or whatever they tend to be. What, what ways could you coach someone, everyone on here? We haven't heard from Jerome in a little bit. Think about a coaching moment to in, to even Jen's. How would you coach her? Well, in that scenario, that immediately just invokes a reaction out of me that wants to say, forget that person. <laughs> but I could ask Jen, maybe in this space, um, how do you think that that reaction is serving her? Why? What do you believe caused her to pretty much react in that manner? And um, what's on the other side of that reaction for her that you believe that she could be getting out of that? She wants me back at work as soon as possible. That's all she cares about. That's why she said what she said. She wanted to hit me in the gut, make me feel guilty and come back to work. It's that simple. Uh, so my, my, well, my, one of my questions in this space might be, um, well, can she make you feel anything? She cannot. It's just words. That was not just a pet. That was my baby. I will, I will take my week off work and the business will survive. Can we add like a beep at the end of that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what? I, to really, to carry that further, like what Jen said, right? is that would probably be my line of questioning, right? Because of course, I, like Jerome said, the first thought in my mind is the nerves of that person to say something like that. So my, I would really lean into the control, right? The, the controlling force that Jen has, like what would you like that outcome to be moving forward, right? And, yeah. and that thought process there, because now at this point, the damage has been done by that other person that we can't control in that moment. So it's like, what, what would you like to see happen? Really where I would start, like, what's that outcome? Because what Jen just said is what I'm hoping would come out of, okay, I know the motive there is there, like, they don't care. They just want me back. It's, it's, past what's going on with me they just want me back at work to do what they need you know what they have their best interest so i would lean into that client whether it's jen or whomever else is what would you like to happen moving forward and, and let's go there because it now redirects at, at the very least mm -hmm. I will, one thing though that's coming up for me in this space is is oftentimes the person being manipulated though uh, is highly susceptible to the manipulation and, and may even have guilt around being able to be manipulated, whether they recognize, they may, if they may not recognize it, but then if, if they have recognized it, they may then have guilt for being capable of being manipulated. And so it's this really kind of like emotional layering 
of just it's like an onion uh <laughs> but where it's like oh my god okay wait i was being manipulated <gasps> and then it goes once you figure that out you're like oh my god how did i get and then it's like this thing where it's just more and more um i could imagine that could be a really tough space to be in with a client as you're you know like they're working with somebody that is actively manipulating them yeah and as they come through this realization of what's going on what would you do with a client that was sort of going through that so i i had a i had an experience sorry that you're bringing up another <laughs> another time where i had a client that was totally manipulating the situation totally manipulating what i was hearing and i'm like how did i get this so wrong i'm pretty good at listening and especially when i'm in focused and in a coaching environment i'm really good at reflecting and saying it back and this client kept telling me no that's not what i said i'm like oh wait what? yeah that's what i was using gaslighting you they were gaslighting you <laughs> okay well I'm, I'm so sorry i'm missing something please tell me again and she would say the same exact thing i said i go okay what do i need to know because i'm like kind of getting the gist of it instead and she said the same thing. And so I reflected back that same thing. That is not what I said. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're kidding me. She was, she was trying to get me to agree with her on, I'm not going to go into details because it could identify, but to agree with her on doing something that was not appropriate. <laughs> and so she, no, I didn't. Okay. That's funny. Um, yeah, it was very interesting. I, I left the session. I was driving home because I was in person that and during that time years ago. I'm like, what? And I'm driving and I'm talking to someone because when I get frustrated, I will call up my, I had five people that I bounce things off of and I'm like sharing all the basic things that I could share. And I went, oh, she was manipulating me. She was using skills that she had and creating this dark empath experience. And, and yeah, it was very interesting. It was very interesting. I learned a lot. Actually, I learned a lot from her. That's true. Was she manipulating you for external validation? That's what it sounds like. Yeah, she was trying to get me to prove something to her mate and um, have okay, me agree okay. with her mate. Yeah. I think that was the portion I was missing. Couples coaching. That's really, I mean, yeah, because I could see that going on in a coach, like couples coaching space quite a bit, where, like, you know, it's like, well, I want to be right. I want my way, and I'm willing to go. <laughs> oh, rough, man. <laughs> it's like, oh, I hope these people have emotional growth. Um, <laughs> you know, I actually was working with a coach at the time when this happened, and um, part of my process with my coach was just feeling, just feeling what it felt like for this person to say this to me, because what I was stuck in was resisting feeling what it brought up for me. Um, it, it brought up a lot of uncomfortable stuff. I was resisting it. And then I was feeling like guilty for, it, it was just a mess. And so just the coach inviting me to feel whatever was there and like name it in that session was really powerful and very helpful. So that's, that's an awesome tool. Like that's an awesome tool and it's simple, uh, right? It's just in, say, creating the safe space and then sharing 
in that space. What are you feeling? Identify, tell me what you're allowed to feel. What mm -hmm. is coming up? Um, one of the, the unspoken powerful things and probably part of the reason we don't push down so much emotion, right? Because at some point or another, our emotions have been used against us. <laughs> um, and that's, again, one of those powerful things that superpowers coaches have is creating this safe space for clients where they can feel and it's not going to get used against them. And it, it's not going to be uh, feel the feels and it's okay. You're okay. You can feel whatever you're going to feel and nobody's going to manipulate you or use it against you or poke you or needle you or push your button later because of it. Um, and that's kind of amazing. So I just had a moment where like, this is kind of why coaching is awesome. <laughs> um, thank you for that chair, Jen. <laughs> I wanted to ask as a client, how do you separate the good coaches from the bad coaches then? How do you know that your coach is using empathy for good and helping you rather than just trying to keep you, you know, as a client. And what's, what's interesting, really, I'm oh, sorry, my, in this space, because and it's a, I'm asking the same question. I'm just adding to it. So this is a yes and moment. There are, there are coaches that I think are very self-serving that are still helping people. Can you, I mean, do we deny that? Like, can we, I mean, it's weird. It's weird. Yeah. So my yeah, that's true. <laughs> but are they helping them? in the best way that helps them or are they helping them in a way that serves them first and the benefit is that it helps the individual I mean, but if I it doesn't matter if the, if the client's happy and getting what they want at the end I, if the client is aware of the situation and still comfortable with it i would say no it doesn't matter unless you don't feel as though that you are serving to your full potential and feel as though you should maybe go elsewhere morally. If I guess your morality gets in the way at that point. Too much turmoil. Mike, what were you going to say? <laughs> well, first of all, I just want to say that that speaks to the character, ethics, and morality of all of us to even, yeah. you know, pause at that because you know some coaches be like, no, it doesn't matter <laughs> about that. So yay us for at least pausing to slow and think about that. But I, I was just going to say, um, like, to what the question that Anthony posed there is, um, I had a client that was in that situation, leaving another uh, coach, actually still seeing another coach when they started coaching with me. And you this coach was up some, a coach, you had a client leave one coach. <laughs> You're the other coach. It, it, see me. <laughs> I, I was the side coach. I was the side coach. I was the coach on the side for a little while. And what happened was, here's the, here's oh the my thing. gosh, you stop talking right now. Just stop talking. <laughs> here's the kicker though. It's the awareness, right? What Jen said, feel the feels. Just from me holding that space and actually leaning into, yes, Natasha, the cycle, just leaning into that, that the superpower that coaches have to hold that space and create that safe space, all of that came out and it allowed the client to actually open up about what was going on. They, the revelation they came up with was, oh my goodness, I really just, this, the client shared with me most of the time, I just held my tea or coffee. And I just sipped as they talked me through all this stuff and taught me and told me this and that and told me about masterclasses. And I, <laughs> and they waited. 
and they waited until it was a moment to answer a question or to add anything about them. And so in that space, I think it goes back to that word that we really don't know the true motive of that coach, right? But I think it goes back to that as well. And it's like for clients, right? To go back to the question for clients, I think it's important to always ask ourselves, right? As if, if we're the client, like, is this serving me, right? Because that's a question we always ask in coaching. <laughs> is this serving me and how? Because now if it's my greater good and it's helping me progress, right? Into those goals and closing the gap of where I am and where I want to be, then great. But if somehow in this space, it feels a lot more rocky than what I, you know, than what I actually signed up for or what I hired this coach for in the first place, that's when some questions should come up at, of, okay, wait a minute. Am I being, you know, manipulated here or is, or does this coach have their greater good at heart and not what my goal is? So I think for anyone who's seen our lives and who, who have witnessed any of that, that's the important part of it is it's about the client. And so if you feel in a space that, okay, this is turning less about me and more about them, I think that's when we need to start getting to the point where we write some things down like, okay, maybe it's time for me to move on. I've experienced that. I've experienced, I've been, I've been a client in that situation where I was like, Oh wait, this is no longer about me and my needs. This is now about you and yours. And it was such a, it, I was done at that point. I was like, I'm, I can't do this again. Like, I don't want to, I've no, because it's just not, it's not the space I want to be in. It's not authentic. It felt, it felt like if something was being forced on me and it felt like I wasn't being listened to. And it felt like, I mean, no disrespect whatsoever to the, 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 the person who was doing it, but, uh, I think the best intention was there. Don't get me wrong. I think the, the utmost of intention, but at some point ego entered the picture. And the moment that happened, it was like, I shut down and I felt it like in the session, I physically, I just shut down. I was like, Ooh, okay. From now, like now I'm not, I'm tuning out. I'm not paying attention. I'm, this isn't resonating with me anymore. Um, and so I think that that's a really good point. We know when that happens, we know when that we feel that like when like, we're like, Oh, this is about you, not about me. You're not listening to me. Or how many times have we been given advice where we were like, you're not understanding my situation? <laughs> like, um, and uh, it, it's, yeah, really, you really struck a chord there with me, Mike. This is a, this is a topic that's bringing up a lot of stuff for us. <laughs> yeah, you know what though? You, even what you said though, Brooke, that's, that's the important thing. I think it's really taking time to sit with that gut feeling right of what comes up because i think in the back of our minds and that client that i talked about stated that to me in the back of our minds we feel it and we know sometimes it's the first session it's like oh you know what i don't know <laughs> how i feel about that but i made a commitment you know i got this package or i here's oh oh my goodness this just brought up something how how many times is it Okay, now I don't want to feel like a failure. So I got these, I got this 12 weeks. I'm going to stick to it. I got these six weeks, even though I know it's not serving me now. So that brings up another thing where it's like, oh, I feel it like this I'll is not serving me. This kind of talks, in, I mean, yeah, we're, we're starting to preach right now. I'm just saying. Uh, like, so Lisa, 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 she brought up a second ago about that six figure coach thing. I have been on the other side with clients who came to me after going through programs like that. And 
what they do is they make the their those people who come out of the programs that aren't as successful feel bad. They go, they tell them it's because you didn't do all the work. And mind you, they're piling mountains of work on them, like an inhuman amount of things that they have to get done on top of their regular life. And so it's impossible almost for anybody to get through it. But they know that and they use that guilt. They use that that immense amount of work to then manipulate so that they don't have to come up, come up, you know, come up with the end of the day. They're like, well, this is your fault, not ours. Like, this isn't our thing. This is because you didn't do the program right. This is because you didn't. And then they use that guilt, talk about dark empathy, to make that those people who paid for their program feel bad and not ask for refunds or not have an actual expectation of results. Um, and it's just that right there. Talk about dark empathy. <laughs> and book, talk about preaching. You gave me chills. You get Because I was like, yes, that's it. That's it. That's the whole thing right there. Jerome, I'm sorry, I saw you about to talk. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that's a classic example of just social manipulation. Um, I can I can kind of translate this back to maybe uh, like college or something like that, where you'll see a student who worked their butts off. They come out with this particular degree. And for whatever reason, they aren't exactly at whatever point in life they want to be. And then they, you know, get left and right. You just aren't working hard enough when, you know, they're not really considering the scenario that you know they kind of put themselves initially in there's a whole lot of other things at play you don't have to beat yourself up like you know what i mean like there's a there's a whole lot of things you are you are not taking into account this is not your fault it's like th those programs blow my mind because it, it's such a blanket this will work for anybody but you have people who are coming in there with social media followings of fifty thousand, and other people coming in there with social media followings of 10 and and what book of clients and one client or zero clients and they expect them to have the same results and it's just not a measuring stick that anybody should be held by or a standard mm -hmm. is, or, uh blows my mind sorry um just things are but, coming you up. know what though we're, like that what this space what we've just been sharing right is really that sub subtitle the the dark empath empathetic and dangerous yeah. is i i know experience i feel i feel where you are right now you're new you're fresh and it was dropping the bat, right? Like Sue said it, you know, felt like I was in a shark tank when I graduated. It was confusing and overwhelming. And so that empathetic and dangerous part of it is, is they know that. They like know I that. feel like they know exactly how you're feeling right now. You graduated, you're super excited. You want to build your business. You're a coach, you're certified. You have the alphabet suit. Now you just need the clients where I got the thing just for you. And that's when the dangerous and the darkness and comes. It's like, I got to tell you. <laughs> and, uh, and that, you know, Natasha dropped it too. And, and, and just, I don't have to make names, but yes, absolutely. She said, Mike, tell the truth. Do you have any experience with the leaders in the church, churches that use that? I won't call them names. I won't call them names, but yes, absolutely. And, and I think it's one of those things, right? Because it's that idea of, I know you, I know your situation. I know your problem, but me, because someone chooses to, to lean into that dark empathy. Now I know exactly what I need to do to get you. I have you right where I want you, right? And that's where it's the empathetic and dangerous. And it's so, it's so suffocating, right? Yeah. And then it's so, it's so sad that so many people come out of those experiences feeling like, what did I do? Like, just like, like they've taken 10 steps back they've lost money they didn't it's their fault it's all this whole emotional roller coaster and that's where that like gaslighting comes in and it's yeah. i am sorry everybody 
It is. It's horrible. And it's, it's prevalent. It's prevalent for new coaches. Boy, howdy. I think, too, uh, this is a big cautionary tale to those new coaches that even are coming through the program about this, but also why it is so important to use your skills for good and make it about the client uh, and each client. You know, there's not a blanket. All. Be curious in every situation because every situation, every client is unique and give them that, that honor. Um, uh, we have gone off on a tangent. I feel good about it, though. I feel like it was a good tangent to have gone off. <laughs> it was a healing tangent. That felt, <laughs> it felt bad and good at the same time. <laughs> I got some things off of my chest. <laughs> um, uh, in the space of dark empathy, with, I think, really quick, before we, we're, we're wrapping up, we're getting close to our end here. For you, what defines the difference between dark and light? Uh, in as a coach, like, well, how are you going to make sure that you stay in the light? <laughs> I don't think that way. So I don't think in light and dark. I think I just stay in the authentic space and work with the client and honoring them for who they are. Does anybody here ever have fear? Like, do you guys, anybody here ever had that moment of, wait, Am I using this power for good or bad? <laughs> <laughs> Has that ever come up for anybody? Ever? No? Ever? I can say I've, to I've this considered point. whether, you know, certain practices could be harmful or not, but never in a space of, hmm, is this going to go dark or light for me at this moment? You know, I'm always trying to stay away from that dark to the point where that's not even a consideration. Yeah. I, the other thing I can relate it to is coaching someone who wasn't ready to be seen coaching before they were ready essentially yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. i think um that's that okay in that space i think there is uh have you ever had a coach that was sort of desperate for like that, that sort of like, oh no, no, let's coach. Let's do this. I need the help. I need where it feels like, okay, you, you need to coach me more than I need coaching. <laughs> I I've seen it. <laughs> and I could see that could, could be a little bit scary, but, but all in with the best intention. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, uh, could be putting somebody in a space that maybe they don't want to yeah. be or ready. Yeah. I would. And I, I think too. Like uh, Brooke, just answering where you where you talked about being in that you know as a coach, how to stay in that space, right? Um, and I would just say like like Lisa said when Lisa answered, I was like, well, thanks, Lisa. That's the perfect answer. I can't I can't top that. But in that space of just being in the preferred space, right? That's what I would say because light and dark, my light could be someone super dark and vice versa. So I would just say it's the intent, right? But intent, I would say that that's like kinetic, I mean, or, or potential energy. And then that word I've already used earlier is motive. And I would say that's like kinetic. That's where I put that intent into action and, and movement in a form. So that intent mixed with motive is where I stay. And the motive and intent for me is really to be curious about what works for the client. Like, you know, and even in the, in the class space that often I say that's probably the word that the students will hear, the coaches will hear me say more than anything else is curious because I'm curious and interested. Really am 
and curious and interested in every single session that I have yeah. on what's going to work for the client. And so it keeps me from going into that space where it's going to move me to that dark empath where it's about me, you know, or about what I want to see. Because even in those times where this is where oh, I just thought of this, this is where times where it could be on the edge of maybe uh, dark empath space is when you play the opposites game, right? Like what's the worst mm -hmm. case scenario? Or yeah. what if you don't? What if it never happens? You know, what if it doesn't happen? What does that look like? And it's still for the purpose, the intent and motive of me figuring out what's the best possible solution for the client. Because maybe when they, going back to what we talked about earlier, maybe when they feel the feels of that not happening, it goes to, yeah, I don't like it. Now let's talk about the solution. And so I think it's intent and motive for me. I think one of the things Anthony does best is playing devil's advocate. Uh, does it mean that he is? Uh, does it mean that he firmly believes in whatever he is advocating? No, he's offering an alternative perspective so that we can have, have a discussion around it and explore it. it. Doesn't necessarily mean that 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 is what he believes. He just has the the ability to offer the other side and, and the, the, the I guess the willingness to do so. <laughs> um, On the other side, no, you're wrong. <laughs> Thank you. Um, the contrarian. <laughs> yes, the contrarian. I, okay. what are the, oh, Jen, go ahead. Well, now that now that's got me curious, Anthony. How? What would you have said? How would you have coached me if I brought you that dog situation? I'm really curious now. Uh, I would say similar to what I think it was, Jerome who is doing the sort of the coaching, um, it would be figuring out what is it that person want? Well, for one, I would ask, I wouldn't even assume really if that person was using dark empathy to manipulate you. I would ask you first, why do you think that person said that? There could be a whole bunch of reasons why, but if it does go to, you know, or... Lisa just coached me a little bit in the comments, so now that's affecting. <laughs> I'm gonna pretend this, I'm gonna disregard Lisa for the moment. <laughs> if this is something you want to talk about, why do you think this person said it to you? If it was something because they're careless or they're just not they're being unempathetic, then it seems to be something to move on. And then the coaching moment it is what do you do with those feelings right now going forward? If you believe that they were being empathetic, but trying to get one on over you, well, what do you think they were trying to achieve with this? And then what can you do with that instinct later on, which I think we talked about, you thought she wanted to keep you on the job and not take your time off. Okay. I would probably add there's there's probably no way to validate if that's true or not. <laughs> but that being said, you want to take time off. Are you going to let this comment affect your decision? Yes or no? And then no. <laughs> so I might be coaching the ghost a little bit, Lisa. <laughs> moving forward um, just a tiny bit to sort of what are you going to do with this information? Um, or what has been, what is the situation given to you now going back to that? I don't, I can't ever know. And I don't think anybody could ever really know for sure whether dark empathy is being used on them or not, because I don't even really think 
dark empathy is an actual trait you can assign people. What I do think is real is that empathy exists. It depends on how you use it and whether if it's a means to your own end or, you know, you're treating the other person as an end in themselves. You won't know and you got to be okay with using being okay with you're using the other person, but you're also trying to help them at the same time. When we talk about coach, sorry, when we talk about coaching, you are using the person as a means for profit and to have an income. And we talk about that in marketing, but in the session, you're also trying to genuinely help them and you're using their emotions to try to get them to a spot where they accept and realize and can make a decision going forward. And so there's both. It's not light and dark. It's just empathy. I wouldn't say we're using their emotions. We're identifying. <laughs> we are. Uh, I mean, Identifying I, to what end, though? It is a use, I guess. And, and, and uh, So this sort of brings up for me what happens in this moment. It's when I, when I ask that question. Do you guys ever wonder? Well, I have wondered if, because uh, I am a very analytical person. I'm a very feeling, I always say I'm a feeling robot. Um, so I, I, when I am not in the emotion, when I am not experiencing the emotion, this is, it's a very separate thing for me. So when I'm, when I'm in the emotion, it's a whole other thing. God only knows what's going on in this head. Uh, who knows? It's not logical and I don't know what's going on. When I'm outside of it and I'm not feeling it anymore, I'm very capable of being very analytical and, and looking at this, looking at that, trying to understand it. And I understand it from a very non emotional place um and where it's, it feels more like an analysis um and it's a skill set to me that i i've used and i i and, and i do use and the when i'm in that space i have moments where i go is this normal like should i be like feeling more things in this space or should i or this is but this is just a, it, for me it is a skill set um uh, am I using it to manipulate others? No, but am I using it to acquire knowledge about myself or a given situation? Yes. Um, uh, and I'm always, always, always uh, on the side of good. I think we took a D&D uh, test <laughs> to, to prove that today uh, where I, uh, for whatever reason, that my moral compass is very its own. It's my own. It, it exists. And, and what I, I want to be able to put my head on the pillow at night and sleep and not feel like I've done bad things. Uh, however, I define those things. Um, so I know that about myself, but when I have those moments where I'm analyzing and I'm in this analytical space, I can feel a little bit like a robot. Like I can feel like, okay, I'm not experiencing this emotion, but I can recognize the empathy. I can recognize the emotion. I can recognize what's going on, why it's happening, what the end result will be and what can be done to fix, use, whatever. And when I'm in that space, it definitely feels very, like, is this normal? <laughs> um, and uh, so that's one of the reasons I asked that question. I just wanted to see if you, if you guys were all resounding. No, we've never felt that way. We were always empathetic and doing good. And we never are unattached. And I was like, okay, I'm the weird robot. Okay, cool. <laughs> I mean, I'm different from you in the sense that I don't really, like, I'm kind of unempathetic person. Um, I can choose to turn it on and off when I need to, but I generally, my preferred state is just not, even really feel other person's emotions or even be concerned about them. Um, See, I'm the opposite. I'm constantly thinking, analyzing, and wonder. If, like I'm assessing others at the constant. It's like a constant state for me, uh, which is just weird. <laughs> so, uh, I, I think that's part of. I think you and I have said this many times that we're people pleasers, and and I think that's where that can um, 
show up. So absolutely it can because yeah. it becomes an, it becomes when you leave a given situation it becomes an analysis of that situation and mm -hmm. then and i think that it can be uh, it can become a skill set of knowing how to maneuver it use it do what you need to do to alleviate uh, we, we do it in customer service all day long <laughs> this person is calling me okay what do we have to do to get the emotion down to get the you know we did we use it is a skill that we use whether we want to admit it or not <laughs> so um but i think that that's true it doesn't necessarily mean that it's dark and it's bad either though uh it, it certainly may just mean we can manage uh the emotions of others and navigate them with some uh, assurity. <laughs> I had somebody in customer service the other day. They couldn't hear me on the phone. I just brought it up. They, not that they couldn't hear me. My phone was cutting out. So what, what do we do? We raise our voice so they could hear me, right? Because that's what surely the problem is. And I part of me wanted to be mad at her. But the other part is, well, she had the strength to actually say, ma'am, I can't. You don't need to raise your voice. I can hear you fine. It's the phone that's cutting out. And I'm like, I've wrestled with that because she's using assertive communication, but somehow I felt embarrassed or something afterwards. <laughs> I haven't quite figured it out yet. Oh, I'd like really quick though. We had a quick question. So uh, that's interesting. Using people for a profit, how can we show up so there's more of a collaboration? I think this, by the way, this is something that I thought about and I've thought about kind of to a degree a big degree is is we have a weird thing in our culture or something where when we hand money over to someone there's a guilt on some for some reason brought up for the person who is accepting the money for a service no that is a collaboration that is a person choosing to hand you money for a return of goods and services whatever that may be it's a that is a contract given it's i'm giving you this with the expectation of receiving this obviously the clearer those terms are the better and that's why we have things like session contracts and, and uh because the term the clearer the terms the better but that there's no guilt there and there's no use that is that is a collaboration that that in itself is what that is that's me hiring you so that we can work together because i can't do it alone that's why i'm hiring a coach and it is in if you're working with a coach it is a collaboration now the degree of your involvement in that collaboration will depend on I, what we would say is the, the, uh, the, for us, the more ICF they are, the more they're abiding by those rules, you're probably getting a higher level of your ability to collaborate. The ones that are just going to tell you what to do, that collaboration, a lot less. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a whole different they, they know what's up, they got a system, and they don't need your input. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, and Brooke, to, to add on to that too, like for the question, right? How can we show up so that it is more of a collaboration? Once you make the decision to hire me, right, Brooke, as your coach, then once you made that investment, your time, your money, then I better show up. That's it. That's how I show, you know, that's how I show up for the collaboration. I show up all my skills, all my knowledge, all the experience that I bring as a coach and holding that space is showing up that's the collaboration right there because that superpower is that presence and just hearing and really being curious about and it kind of goes back to what anthony said too to what means for me yes i am using it i am definitely using what up and what the, to what means is to the means in the end of getting them to the solution that they that they desire and design 
because I'm going to reflect it back. I'm going to, I say this often in class, there's power in the mirror. I'm going to reflect back what I heard and what's going on there and to what's the feeling behind that. So now when you reach that point, we're celebrating together. That's the collaboration. Woo! Preach it right there, right there. <laughs> Mic drop, we're out. <laughs> Happy birthday, Mike. Thank you. Thank you all. Uh, I think that, that ends our dark empathy uh, live. Thank you guys so much for watching. Make sure you like, share, comment. If you have more comments, anything you want to join, add to the conversation, even though the live is over, does not mean we will not check and we will not respond. Thank you for watching. Check out Certified Life Coach Institute. What do we do, guys? What do we do? We won't get better at that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you guys for watching. Bye. Happy birthday, Mike. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Once again, this is brought to you by Certified Life Coach Institute. We're an ICF-accredited school who certifies our life coaches in three-day online intensive courses. In addition to other podcast episodes, feel free to check us out every Tuesday at 4 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time on YouTube or Facebook for our CLCI Lives, where we get together and discuss various topics that are centered around sharpening your skills so you can become a better certified life coach. For more information, feel free to visit us at certifiedlifecoachinstitute.com. Until next time, be well.